We've been in a series called, series called Love in Action. And one of the ways that we've been looking at this series is through the book of Luke. And today I'm going to make a little bit of a detour and I'm going to talk to you out of, out of Romans chapter 14. Uh, we're going to look at 13 verses 1 through 13 and talk about this issue of just my church. And then how do you have love and action to the body of Christ? Because I, I think it's something that we just need to discuss and I think it's something really important. See, Paul takes the principles of Jesus and he begins to apply them to the body of Christ and, and, and to the local church. And so that's why I've entitled this message, My Church. And so we're really excited about Thursday. I know Matt and Eli talked about this, but we're going to honor first responders in our community. So that's fire, police, sheriff, paramedics, doctors, nurses, and we're bringing in food trucks that are going to be in our parking lot on Thursday for lunch and dinner. And, and so we have barbecue, Mexican food, uh, cheesesteaks, uh, Philly cheesesteaks, and then we even have dessert, Hawaiian ice and shaved ice and whatever, you know, so I can't wait for that. And, and then we're going to shuttle food into the two ERs in town, St. Mary and Parkview. Uh, we're going to get a list and a count of doctors and nurses there because they really can't leave. And so we're going to shuttle food into there. Karen and I this last week had a meeting at the, at the sheriff's department about our gated community. And, and as you know, we take our services into there. And so right now, because of COVID, we can't do that. But they, they've continued that. It's an amazing thing. The deputies there are continuing showing our services and, and bringing... Um, bringing the inmates in, and, and so we're working out how to get prayer requests and some of those other things, and we can't wait till we're back in there, but the sheriff's department is really fired up, excited about, about us showing appreciation and love to our first responders, whether it's fire, paramedics, sheriff, police, and so if you know anyone and they're unaware of this, you tell them, show up here Thursday, we'll feed them free, and we'll, we'll hang out together to be a great time, and, and so when you, look at this, when you look at this time, you realize, and I don't know if you're like me, I have yet to meet anyone that says, hey, we're like thriving in this season. Like this is, this is the best season of our life. I mean, things could not be going better for us. I haven't met that person. Maybe you've met that person. Maybe you are that person. But I haven't, I haven't met that person yet. Fact is, what I find is people say, you know what, we're struggling. We got a little bit of worry. We got a little bit of anxiety. I mean, we're always trying to adjust to the new normal and we get to the new normal and all of a sudden the new normal change and we're having to adjust again and we don't know what's ahead of us. And, and so when we know that and we acknowledge that, what, what, from my perspective, what seems like is happening is we're not cutting each other a lot of slack. We're not really showing grace to one another and just understanding that, you know what, we're all trying to figure this out together. And so when you look at this subject, and I just want to talk to you about this issue of unity, I just want to talk to you about what Paul says, how you and I take our Christian beliefs and put that love into, into action. A little bit of history about the book of Romans and what was happening in the Roman church is this, is Paul is dealing with some issues because, because here's what's happening. In the church there in Rome, and it was the same in Galatia and, and Colossia and, Colossia and uh, in Corinth, uh, the, the, what was happening is, is people were coming into the church, they're meeting Christ, and they're coming from all different backgrounds, where it's cultural backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, economic backgrounds, maybe different spiritual backgrounds, and all of a sudden they're coming into the local church, and then, then they have this... this they have these differing of opinions, as you can imagine. When you get people together with a lot of different backgrounds, you're going to get a lot of different per, uh, perspectives. And, and so scripture would call these 
the disputable matters or the debatable matters. And so, so what's happening is, is they're kind of dividing over this. And they're, they're, they're dealing with this issue of unity. And so Paul begins writing into them and, and talking to them about this issue of unity in the body of Christ, unity in the local church. In fact, it is Jesus. It was Jesus' last prayer for us. In John chapter 17, verse 22, he says, The glory that, that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, unity, even as we, the Trinity, even as we are one. I mean, when you go through the book of Acts, the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts, one of the themes that you see over and over and over is this issue of unity. They are were, they were one heart. They are one mind. They were unified. I mean, at one point, they come together in like a church business meeting, and they say it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And they found this area to, just to agree on. And so the Scripture teaches us that when a local body of believers have the power of the New Testament is when they have this issue of, of, of just unity unity. But the problem is, right, and we understand this, we know this, right? The problem is that not all Christians are alike. Have you ever noticed, even in our church, we're not all alike, and that's a good thing, right? It'd be a boring place if we're all alike. And some of us are pretty different, right? Some of us are like Texas, and so some of us are pretty different, and all of those other things. But you know what? We're not all alike. See, that's one of the things that I loved about Jesus, with his disciples, he didn't demand conformity. It's crazy. He didn't, demand, he didn't even demand. I mean, they were all different. They came from different backgrounds. They had different struggles. They had different things that they're working through. And yet Jesus was able to bring union, and sometimes it caused problems with them, and I get that, I understand that. Now listen, let's just be clear. There's some things that the Bible's very clear on. I mean, there's some things that the Bible's it's just not d debatable. It's just not disputable. I mean, there's some things that the Bible's really clear, like do not steal and do not li lie. Adultery is out. You know, getting drunk is out. Cheating is out. And there's some very specific standards in Scripture that are not debatable or disputable. But then, if we're honest, there's some areas of Scriptures the Scriptures don't even talk about. The passage that we're going to look at is how do you handle, how do you handle the disputable, debatable matters of Scripture, where there's no, there's no black and white to where you have to clearly discern uh, how to handle that issue. I mean, how do you handle Because here's, here's what I see is happening. There are a lot of, right, we, we could go through them and we don't have time. We could go through all of the debatable issues in society right now. And it's dividing families. Your, your family may not even agree. It's dividing organizations, it's dividing friendships. I'm watching longtime friends divide over some of the issues in society right now. They'd walk together for long periods of time. Organizations and churches and everything. So we just, we just got to understand. And so what, what the scriptures say, you know what, that's okay in the world. That's okay out there. I mean, it's going to happen. But in the body of Christ, what Scripture says, it shouldn't happen. We've got to understand, this is how we show that we're believers, this is how we show we're followers of Christ. So, when somebody comes in and doesn't totally agree with you on the disputable matters, debatable matters, how do you handle it? There's three things that we're going to look at this morning. The first one, and I mean, it's just, I mean, we're just going to walk through, I mean, this is just an exegetical study of 13 verses. This is going verse by verse, pulling out the principles. I'll let you apply it to your context, Okay. 
first thing that we do when people come in that have a different view of like disputable, debatable matters of Scripture, the first thing that Paul told this church to do, because they're dealing with it, he goes, you know what? you got to welcome them. you just got to welcome them. He goes on, look at Romans 14.1. He says, as far as, as, as the one who is weak in faith, look at this, welcome him. And then he gives them a command. It's an imperative of Scripture. I mean, this has a lot of weight in the Greek. And, and so then, then all of a sudden he says, but do not quarrel over opinions. How much of our division, what's in families, organizations, wherever, our division is happening over personal opinions. So what is a disputable matter? A disputable matter is an issue that the Bible is kind of silent on or doesn't give much guidance or a clear principle. It's not an issue between right and wrong. It's a matter of personal preference when it's neither commanded nor prohibited. And so Paul deals with the disputable matters of his day in the New Testament church. I, I call them the three Ds, and this is what he was dealing with. Dealt with it in Rome, dealt with it in Corinth, dealt with it in Galatia. Uh, he dealt with it. In fact, is you can read it for yourself. Go through the book of Galatians, Romans, uh, First and Second Corinthians. He's dealing with this issue, and it's the three Ds. Days, diet, and drink. When, days, when should a Christian worship? Big deal in their day. Saturday or Sunday on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so when, does a, when does a Christian, so days, drink. What, is a Christian going to abstain or moderation? And dress. How does a Christian dress? I mean, this was a huge issue, see, in their day, especially with drinking in moderation. In their day, it was eating and drinking, and, 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 and what does a Christian eat? And, and so we'll look at that. But in their day, it was excessive drinking and, and, uh, and gluttony, alcoholism, and gluttony was a huge problem in, in, Roman, in, in Rome in their days. And, and these were the issues of their days. But So what are the issues of our day? I mean, for some Christians, there are some things that are just like taboo. Even though scripture doesn't really address it. And so, so for some, some it, it, may be, it may be tattoos. I mean, some it may be tattoos. Uh, some it, it, may be, it may be playing cards. It may be music, the TV shows. It may even be, it's crazy, it may even be dancing, right? I mean, it's hilarious. When we started Fellowship of the Rockies, when we were much smaller than what we are, uh, and we were trying to build unity. I mean, this is in the late 90s. Uh, every year we did a sock hop. And so we rented out like South High. We rented out the gym. And, and our worship team did 50s music. And we did a sock hop. And we had, I mean, it, it was hilarious. And so, but the first year that we did that, you know the issue that came up? And people want to know, can Christians dance? I mean, some had an issue with it, and so they can Christians dance. So I had to stand up and say, hey, listen, let me ask you, answer this theological question. Many of you haven't right now. Can Christian dance? After I saw our sock, our sock hop, some should and sh some shouldn't. Some can and some can't. Some should probably never dance again, right? And so for some, it, it, it's dancing, and some it's playing cards, and some it's going to movies. And, and I, we, we have a friend that was raised in a very strict household. And to this day, she cannot drink IBC root beer, you know, the, like the long neck root beer, because it just brings back childhood memories, and she's afraid that someone may think she's drinking a beer and cause them to stumble. So there's all kinds of debatable issues. I mean, we all have them, if we're honest. And the question is, what happens when my list doesn't match your list or your list doesn't match my list? What's the solution? And so the New Testament, what Paul says was this. He said, you know what? We should welcome them. 
We should not divide. In fact, is verse 3, if you drop down in this verse, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, Paul goes on to say, guess what? Welcome them because you know what? God has welcomed them. What does it mean? Listen, what does it mean to welcome someone? It means not to exclude them. It means to welcome, to include, to, to receive them. So the first thing is this, is we welcome them. The second thing is this, we have to make them feel comfortable. There are some people that will take the step and, oh, I'll, I'll welcome you, but I'm going to make you feel as un- uncomfortable as possible because your list doesn't match my list. Your personal opinions doesn't match my personal opinions. And so Paul says we welcome him, but we do not quarrel over personal opinions. In other words, we try to make them feel as comfortable as possible. And how do I do that? And Paul says, Paul gives us three things. Paul gives us three ways that we do that. The first thing is this. If you're really going to welcome someone over the disputable matter of Scripture and some personal opinion and some other things where it's not clearly spelled out in Scripture, then the first thing is this. Do not label them. I don't know about you. I hate to be labeled. I hate to be labeled. I hate to be put in a category. I hate... So, verse 1 again. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not, do not quarrel over personal or over opinions. So many times, and so many times, when you get into this, we start label, labeling people. Oh, you're just a liberal. When you look at Scripture, you're a liberal, you're a conservative, you're a socialist, you're a Marxist, you're a communist, you're a conservative, you're a prude. And all of a sudden, we start labeling people, and then we're not welcoming them. And so, God, uh, so Paul gives two different groups of people, and he uses these terms, the strong and the weak. Here's the interesting thing. The strong and the weak of their church, and they were clashing over personal opinions. Paul says both are Christians. Both are believers. Both are sincere. And he says, but they, they disagree over some neutral issues of Scripture. They disagree over some personal opinions. So that the strong, the strong people, just so we understand who they are in, in Romans 14, the strong, they were, they were free to do anything. They felt they were free to do anything that they wanted to do as long as it wasn't pre- specifically prohibited in Scripture. The weak. The weak just kind of felt guilty all of the time. They were extremely sensitive. They had a sensitive conscience. They tended to feel guilty over things that really the Bible doesn't prohibit. Maybe like my friend that is scared to death to drink a IBC or a long neck root beer because someone may think she's drinking a beer, that person. <laughs> I learned this in this principle on how to get along with people that may have different personal opinions than, than like I do. I actually learned it in seminary. I went to a seminary where, where people came from all different backgrounds. It was just an awesome experience. And we just, our, we just used scripture and walked through doctrines. And, and so, uh, so one day, I, you know, you built some friends. And so we all decided in between classes, you know, we'd go to Applebee's. And so we went to Applebee's and, and I had a friend and, and man, this guy was like, like wound tight, but we became really great friends and we'll just call him Bob. And so Bob was wound a little bit tight. He was like a King James version only guy. He believed all the other translations since that time was like corrupted and you can't trust it. He also believed, I mean, it's crazy. He also believed that if we did anything that was an imitation of what God created, that was wrong. So in his church, he was a pastor of a local church in another city. And so Bob would not allow any plastic plants, fake plants, synthetic plants in his church because he believed it was an imitation of what God has created and that'd be wrong and that'd be sin. <laughs> 
I mean, he was a great guy, but that, and I'd never heard of anybody carrying that, having that stance. And so, so we're ordering at Applebee's, and they had a dish there that they, that, that they no longer, well, they renamed it. We'll talk about that. And so when Bob, when it was Bob's turn to order, he literally, he literally held up the menu like this, and the waitress was here, and he says, I'll have this. Don't tell them what I'm ordering. And I says, Bob, what are you ordering? I mean, I have an inquiring mind. I need to know. And he's like, oh, I can't tell you. Don't, don't. And he starts, and Bob starts turning red. And, and so I look at the waitress and I says, what is he, what did he order? I'm not ordering. I mean, this is my protest. I'm not ordering until you tell me what Bob just ordered. And he looked at her and said, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. And I says, ma'am, I'm telling you, your tip is depending on you giving us this information. And we're big tippers here. And so this is going to cost you. And so you need to tell us what Bob ordered. And so she looked at us and she said, this is kind of weird, but... Bob ordered tequila lime chicken. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you ordered tequila. What's wrong with that, Bob? I mean, he's turning red. He's like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I'm doing this. I just, I just love it. And, and so another seminary student looked across the table. It shows you the difference. Another seminary student looked at it across the table. Hey, Bob, just get the te- tequila on the side. I'll take it. It'll help me with the next class. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, we're melting down here. And so and Bob and I, listen, Bob and I became great friends. We're still great. And Bob loves his family. He loves the local church. He loves the Lord. But he just has a different opinion. And what Paul says, we've got to learn to get along with one another. And not divide over personal opinions. Not divide over the disputable matters of Scripture. And J. Vernon McGee was asked the question. He says, well, who is the weak person? Who is the weak person in in our time? It's always the other guy, right? Nobody wants to admit, oh, we're the weak person here. We always want to say we're the we're the strong person. And and Paul said, as for the one as as for the one who is weak in faith, literally understanding of faith, understanding of the doctrines that is uh, uh, that is covered in, in Romans, a person who is weak in faith is a person who does not understand grace. You know what? We'd call this person a legalist of our day. Fact is, you can go through Romans chapter 14 and wherever you see the word weak, just cross that out and put legalist. And that'll help you understand that. He's talking about a legalist, one that makes rules where, where there are no rules. Legalism is when I take my God given convictions, and my friend Bob didn't do this. That's why we were able to be such close friends, even though we had different, looked at Scripture a little bit different. He didn't force his opinion on anybody else. He said, this is the convictions I hold. But legalism is when I take my God-given convictions and force them on you without any scriptural support and then make you feel as guilty as possible because you don't hold my conviction. It's a writing I came across the other day. It says uh, about this, it says, Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess Feel as I feel, think as I think, eat what I eat, drink what I drink, look only as I look, do only as I do, for then and only then I will fellowship with you. Now, I know people like that. I, I know people that get so offended so easily. And it's just like they're angry all of the time. The Greek, in the Greek language, it's just so strong, it says to accept them without Passing judgment, it literally means without attempting to settle the doubtful issues of Scripture. 
It's, it's not, I welcome you, I accept you. And then I'm going to argue with you and I'm going to struggle with you until you accept my personal opinions. In other words, it's to welcome them and not treat them as a second-class citizen. Here's another one. Don't make fun of them. Don't label them. And don't make fun of them. Verse 3, it says, let, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. In other words, it's not making fun of them like on social media, ridiculing them and calling them names or labeling them, ridiculing them, laughing at them, you know, or a feeling of superiority. Thank God I'm not like that. Thank God I approach Scripture totally different than them. Paul says, listen, Paul says, Paul says, God has never gives you the right to belittle someone because of their convictions. Isn't it a fact that when you're strong in a certain area, feel like you have freedom or liberation in an area, you have a tendency maybe to look down on other people who's not liberated in that area, where you think you're better than them, have a better understanding than them, we discount them, we depreciate them, See, for them, it was an issue of diet. You know, were we going to eat vegetables or were we going to eat meat? See, this, this wasn't, they, they weren't arguing over plant-based versus like eating meat. They weren't arguing as far as any nutritional value. What they were arguing over, the issue for them, wasn't nutritional value. The issue for them is the people that were eating the meat, they were going down and getting the best steaks in town, and they were eating meat at the buying their meat at a meat market or a restaurant that was next to an idol worship place and they would sacrifice these animals to an idol and then they would sell the meat and it was the best meat and so in their day there were some Christians that felt like hey scripture doesn't say we can't it's the best meat in town we're going another group was saying you know what we can't eat meat we're only eating vegetables and so it, it would be like after church one night or one day, they run over to like Applebee's, and one person gets a salad, and one person gets a hamburger, and now all of a sudden, they got problems. Now all of a sudden, they start belittling one another. So what Paul says is neither side should judge the other. Matthew chapter 7, right? Jesus is talking, and he, he's talking this. Here, here's why it's so dangerous to judge. I hope when you judge, it blinds you of your faults. It blinds you of your issues. That's why Jesus says, oh, be careful with this issue of judging. Be very careful with this issue of judging. Because you know what? When you judge others, when you're trying to take the speck, the sawdust out of somebody else's eye, there is a telephone pole in your eye. You're missing all of the, you, you have blind spots as a result of that. The moment, listen, the moment you start judging people, especially over non-biblical issues, Disputable matters, you're done. You're setting yourself up for a fall, and you know what you're doing? In a sense, you're destroying yourself. When you start, when you start judging everybody around you, you lose your joy, you lose your peace, you lose your happiness. All of a sudden, they're the ones that are the focus, and that's all you talk about in your family. That's all you talk about when you get together with people is how much you judge them or what are they doing, and I can't believe. And it, it sucks the life out of, and it blinds you to your faults. Here's the last one. Don't try to change them. This is so fascinating. Don't try to change them. Verse 4, 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Sometimes the favorite indoor sport of Christians is to try to change the other person. If we try to reject them over the disputable matters of Scripture, do you realize we're being even more strict than God? Just a tip of how to get along with people. (laughs) Don't nag. It never works. If you want to get along with people, listen, don't try to be their conscience. We all fight against our conscience. And when you try to be someone else's conscience, they will fight against you every time. It's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, don't fight against, don't don't make your relationship be about just trying to change them. Typically, when when a legalist sees someone who has liberty in an area, they'll say, you know what? That person has really fallen. That person's approach to Scripture is very liberal. I thought they were a great Christian, but I saw them do. I heard them say. I heard them take that position. That's why I love the bumper sticker. I don't like a lot of Christian bumper stickers just because of theology. <laughs> but one of, the, one of my favorite ones is this, is please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. That's why we cut grace. That's why we show, show grace. That's why we cut each other some slack. The third and the last thing is we have to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. That's why my friend and, my, and, and me, Bob, we don't agree on some disputable matters of Scripture. We probably never will. That is not the basis of our friendship. Man, Bob loves his family. Bob loves his church. Bob is doing a great work. He just has some different convictions than me. Romans chapter 14, verse 3 says, Let no one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let no one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. It's interesting. The weak and the strong, Paul never says who's right or wrong. He's just reminding them, guess what? Both are followers of Christ. Both are believers. One of the things I had to learn early on in my Christian life was God blesses people that I even disagree with. God just doesn't bless the people I agree with. God actually blesses people that I totally disagree. In fact, is I've seen him bless their socks off. So listen, so if God, listen, if God accepts you, And if God accepts me with all of our hang-ups, then guess what? We should accept others with their hang-ups. Bob Goff just recently said this. He was looking at the scripture, and he says, and he just wrote out, it was just a quote of his, he said, uh, love difficult people because you're one of them. I mean, if we're honest, we all can be difficult, right? I mean, if you're honest, we all bring issues. We all bring stuff. And verse 4, he says, uh, who are you to pass judgment on the, on the servant of another? 
It is before his own master that he stands or falls and will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And Paul makes it clear that it is not my responsibility. Only God has the right to judge. And I am not God, and as much as I may like to pretend to be at, at times, it's not my responsible to judge people on non-moral issues. And he goes on, verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than the other. Another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who deserves the, observes the day deserves it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he has given thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks. Aren't you glad your rewards in heaven are not up to people agreeing with you? Amen. And what he's saying, if they're doing it unto the Lord... And even though they disagree with like your debatable matters and your personal opinions, you can even disagree in that area and still do it unto the Lord. Romans 5, 15, 7 says, For none of us lives to himself and no, no one dies to himself. We're all in the body of Christ. We're all in the same family. We're all in one body. Listen, to judge you is to judge yourself. No man is an island, what Scripture says. All, listen, all Christians are interrelated. We're in the same family. Romans 12, 5, so we, though many are one body in Christ, individual members of one another. In other words, anything I do affects you and anything you do affects me. We're all related, so if I judge you, in a sense, I'm judging myself. If I judge you, I'm not only judging myself, I am hurting myself. And that's why he goes on and says in 14.8, he says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died, lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. God is the only one. Has a right to judge because he knows the heart. He knows what's going on. See, one of the things that I love about Fellowship of the Rockies is that we don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they're believers. And we could put a sign up in front of Fellowship of the Rocky and say, hey, do not come to our church until you have all of the areas of your life straightened out, until you have certain areas of your life cleaned up. And, and it'd be not many people here. There are a lot of people that never come to the Lord under those circumstances. And the fact is that the church is a hospital for sinners. And it's not a hotel for saints where we dress up and parade around looking good and trying to act perfect. At Fellowship of the Rockies, we want people to come to our church with all kinds of hang-ups. God never says, you clean up your life first and come to me. God says this, you come to me and I will join with you. I will clean up your life. I will give you the power to forgive. Listen, a person cannot change his life until they've accepted the gospel, they've received the gospel, and they begin to live the gospel. That's why verse 10 and 12, he says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? And you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. He's saying unity is a priority. There's a couple of things that I'm trying to live by and we'll close. There's a couple of things that I'm just trying to live by in these days. It's kind of a, a daily prayer. I started just, just like a week ago. 
So every morning I start with a prayer and said, Lord, in these times, I want everything that I do not to offend my brothers and sisters in Christ today. I want to be kind. I want to be considerate. I want to extend grace. I want to extend love. I want to realize we're all hurting. We're all carrying stuff. And so the first thing, God, I want everything that I do this day. I don't want to offend my brothers and sisters in Christ. Second thing, I'm going to refuse to be offended today. Lord, help me. Help me not to offend. Help me to extend love. And Lord, help me not to be easily offended because it seems like everybody is just so easily offended this day. And when someone speaks unkindly to you, when someone takes advantage of you, when someone labels you, when someone becomes angry without any cause, you make a determination in your heart by God's grace not to be offended, to be kind, to be considerate, to forgive, to let it go, and to relinquish your rights to get even. You have to trust yourself to the Lord. And Lord, I'm trusting you to make this right. Those are my commitments that I make every day. And I pray they would be yours as well. In this season of COVID, because we can't have a, a prayer response, we would thought we would just dismiss you in prayer. So would you stand with me for just a closing prayer and then we'll dismiss you. And maybe if you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you would just say, Lord, what is my next step? Lord, what do I need to do in this season, in this time? We started with a worship song that is going to become a song that we're going to sing over you and our children. And I'm so excited as Pastor David has introduced this song. Next week we'll send it, sing it again. And it comes out of Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 and 27. It's, it's a blessing. And I'd just like to pray these words over you and send you out with a blessing. Here's what the scripture said, says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. You know, that simply means may the Lord look on you with joy. May you sense his joy. May you sense his peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and gives you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will be blessed. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord give you peace. May the Lord give you comfort. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Father, may we have unity. May we reach people in this season for you. Lord, would you protect us we thank you for what you're doing, even in this difficult season. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you.